Ladies and gentlemen, James Hicks here from Hicks New Media Infotainment News. I wanted to start to show off with a very poignant uh, picture, as you saw, uh, and with this graphic. Uh, this graphic actually doesn't need any, any discussion. This graphic up here, say their name, is the reason for this conversation today. This is, uh, unfortunately, nothing new, but this is a conversation that uh, has been happening in the past. This is a conversation that's happening today, and this is a conversation that needs to continue to happen. I uh, actually wasn't going to do this show today, but uh, a couple of folks have reached out to me and, and wanted to have this conversation, wanted me to have this dialogue, put this on this platform because they know it's going to be a completely unbiased conversation and I'm going to bring some, some champions of the community into, into the, uh, the fold. So, and I've done that. So first of all, I am, I'm, I'm humbled by the folks that I have sitting and waiting in the green room right now, because you as the audience are going to be, uh, blessed by the conversation and the dialogue that we have. We're going to talk for about 45 minutes. We may go an hour. Uh, look, I can record for four hours, but you know, we, we might just do that, but uh, we are going to at least have this conversation. And I'm going to start off by bringing on one of these individuals. I'm going to bring them on one by one, let them do an introduction of themselves. If you have any questions, comments that you'd like to bring to us, the panel, that you just have something on your heart and something on your chest, please do that. Right. That's, that's what today is all about. This is not the, this is not the end, but this is the beginning and this is the middle. This is just a continuation having that dialogue. So first and foremost, let me bring up this young man right here. Yo, how y'all doing? My name is Marvin Stark. I'm an aircraft mechanic for a major airline, work in San Francisco. I got two beautiful black children. Uh, that's about it. You know, concerned about, situation, concerned about the situations going on here and, uh, my brother James known him for a long time when he was just a young thing, but uh, with the gray hair. <laughs> yeah. awesome. But uh, yeah, we need to find out what's going on and see what's see what's happening. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. I'm gonna bring on this next gentleman, Mr. Roberts. You are on mute. Hold on one second, sir. You are on mute. There you go. Okay. Uh, Honored to be here. My name is Clifton Roberts. Uh, I'm a director of global partnerships and initiatives for Intel Corporation, as well as a volunteer for a political party uh, called the uh, Humane Party and uh, formerly ran for federal office. And I have uh, beautiful black children as well. My eldest is 25, a two, three-year-old and a 15-year-old. Recently lost a daughter as well. Uh, but I'm I'm so happy to be here with these powerful brothers, and, and thank you, to James Hicks, for uh, allowing me to come and speak speak to everyone on this platform. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother. 
Brother Torrance. Hey, how you guys doing? Uh, my name is Virgil Torrance. Just turned 60 years old, so now mm. you know I have uh, <laughs> uh, grew some hair on the face. Now you can call me Uncle Birch. <laughs> um, I uh, uh, born and raised in uh, Southern California, South Central area. Currently live in Sacramento. I'm an IT uh, analyst for the state legislative data center. So I've been doing that for about five years, but I've been in it, into uh, technology for about 35 or about 40 years. And, um, you know, I'm a part of a fraternity that we uh, have a, a mentor program, a mentor young man, and this is a very important topic. So James, I appreciate the fact that you thought about me and, um, you know, you thought about this issue to have this discussion. So I'm, I'm excited. Got two kids. I do have a young man, um, age 25. My son here, my daughter is 28, and uh, it's like everybody else. I'm concerned about their well-being and safety, and also their future. Awesome, appreciate you. And uh, it's like everybody else. Isaiah. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Isaiah Clay. I work for the state of California. I'm an information technology procurement analyst. Uh, formerly, I was in the military with Marvin Stark, uh, airplane mechanic. Um, I'm a graduate of Sac State. Um, I'm from Sacramento, born and raised. Um, I'm 34 years old. I have a wife, uh, a young son. He's going to be four soon. And um, I think it's great that we're all getting together and we're having these, this dialogue, this conversation, uh, getting everything together. Um, from experience, less experience, um, younger generation. Uh, I think it's great. Thank you for having me on. Definitely. Thank you, brother. Man up at the top in the middle. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Corey Sanders, otherwise known as Tallboy. Um, I'm probably the second youngest brother in here. No kids, shall we say. Um, I am a videographer, content creator. I have a video uh, production company here in Atlanta called Tallboy Enterprises TVE Media, where we create content. We're on the scenes. We create content. And we're on the scenes for everything but this, shall we say. Um, so uh, when I was brought in on the conversation, uh, James and I, we go back from uh, some of our tech days. And uh, he felt that uh, since I was sharing some of the uh scenes that I, from the images that I see with some of my uh, colleagues um he said let's have a conversation appreciate you man hey everybody my name is uh David Isom I'm the senior pastor of St. Stephen CME Church in Fairfield California I've also on the school board I'm in my third term I've been on the school board for a decade first African American male on the uh, Fairfield School Board, we have 20,000 kids every single day. I just recently ran for county supervisor, um, and I lost by one less than one half of one percent uh, to the system. Out of 23,000 votes, I lost by 88. So I, I feel real, real good about how well my community supported me. Again, I've only been here 13 years. Ran against a guy, the system who's been here all his life. Uh, 56 years old. I have a son. And I have two beautiful grandchildren, and I'm excited to be here. I appreciate being invited to the conversation. I am uh, James's pastor. I don't know if he got me on here to keep keep him uh, in check, but 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 y'all keep me in check too because I'm angry about what's happening 
and uh, I appreciate being a part of the conversation. Well, I, I, I see you, sir. Now, now, see, I had to get back on camera when, when, you, when you started talking, and I, I appreciate that. And again, so I hope everyone that's, first of all, thank you guys for telling that, your, your name, your, your age, occupation. And I want the, the viewers to understand that the eclectic group of folks that we have having this dialogue, right? We, we've got some 30, 40, 50, and we, we got a, we got a we got 60. 60-something. Go ahead, do it. Go ahead, do it. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the reason that these gentlemen were handpicked um, to be in this discussion, and I see another gentleman had his join who's in the, in the green room as well, who I want to get on camera as well and let, let him talk. But the reason that these folks were, were picked was because we have all seen something different within our society at our different ages as we were coming up, as we were growing, as they relate to what's happening today. What's happening today is nothing new. Again, I think I started the show like that. But I think what is different is everyone's walking around with a camera in their pocket. <laughs> right. So, Virgil, when you were growing up, going to San Jose State, right, you had some situations that you ran into. You, you, did, you probably had just old Motorola StarTech in your, in your pocket. That, that's the technology coming out of me, right? You didn't have the iPhone or the Android. <laughs> I, now, I didn't now, have a StarTech. I had a pager. <laughs> oh, well, see, there you go. You, you, you just send in 07734, you know, the hello right, on the pager. Right, yeah. but, but again, see, those things that maybe were having you on the corner, on the street, as you were walking back and forth from campus, you had the experience. You, you told folks, but not everyone believed you, but now folks are believing what's happening from the system, society, whatever you want to call it. And surprisingly to me, and this is this really is surprising to me, more folks besides just us are taking a stand, right? I, I see 50% black folks. I see 50% white folks. I, I see everyone out there protesting, marching, waving signs, saying this isn't right, right? So this feels different than I think it, than, than it has in, in, in the time that I've been around. So, and, and let me ask you, Cliff, you know, again, are, what, what are you seeing, I guess, from your circles and, and the folks that you engage with in terms of what, what's, what's happening now and how uh, folks are mobilizing or, or, or responding? Yeah, <clears throat> well, I think you raised a good point. Now, we, everyone can capture it. You know, we got we got a uh, smartphones and Facebook Live and Instagram Live, and so uh, the difference that the technology and the instant access to information is, is was a game changer. And I think specifically what we saw with with um, George Floyd was just a complete lack of compassion. I mean, you have this grown man calling for his mama in his last, in his, in his, with his last breath, um, calling for mama. And that was so powerful. And I, I don't know anyone that could have watched that and not cried. And, and uh, I know it's affected my son deeply. My son is 25 years old. And uh, I did notice, too, that with previous events where we saw the murder of, of black men, there was by police or, you know,
Clifton fell off the camera. You know what? He he, he didn't got so excited. They, they didn't cut his internet off. Man, they hold him back. Trying to, they hold trying to back. hold the brother down. We, we come back to you, Cliff, once you uh, once you join, brother. Make sure you screenshot that. You should have screenshotted that. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Look, I've got another individual that I want to bring on online who has joined, and I am also thrilled and humbled that that he is with us. Uh, Mr. Garrett, please tell the folks who you are and uh, age and, and occupation, sir. Uh, Lamille's Garrett. I sit between 45 and 50 on most days. Um, <laughs> I'm a consultant. I'm in technology, um, entrepreneur, uh, launching a startup, um, and an active member uh, in social justice arenas. Um, in the Sacramento area currently, prior to that, Louisiana and uh, Colorado. So it's stayed with me wherever I've gone. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, what, that's, that's I'm, I'm pretty much set, I'm, I'm setting context, right? Just again, <laughs> right. So folks can, yeah, we, we, we started before you came on. But again, that, that's that's good context in terms yeah. of uh, in terms of who you are and what you are. And, you know, the first question that I had asked and I started with Cliff, what are you seeing in, in, in your area, right? In terms of, right, we're seeing the marching, we're seeing the protesting, and we're seeing every shade of society out there having an issue with, I've got my knee on your neck. We've got everyone in society having an issue with shooting an EMT in her home while, she, while, while, she's, at, while she's at home. We, we've got an issue well, I, look, I can keep going on, but, but again, so let, let me ask you again, sir. And you, you fade into the dark there, and it must be yeah, yeah. over there. What's going on <laughs> in, in in El Dorado Hills? Where you at? But, uh, t- tell us, tell us what you're seeing, sir, in terms of the circles and folks that you engage with. Um, you know, as much as anything, I'm seeing momentum. Um, I I sit in the space every day, so um, you know, be it good or bad. Um, you know, I'm I'm involved with conversations with police or city councils or board of supervisors or um, all those who are actually trying to make a difference um, in a social justice arena. And that, that's my everyday work. Um, and so um, as of late, what we're seeing is momentum. We're seeing um, um, regardless of the race, um, regardless of the age, we're seeing people saying, how can I help? And they're asking that, how can I help on a on a pretty strong and consistent basis? And honestly, um, it's uh, it's a good burden to have, if you will. Um, I'm I'm dealing with um, an overload of items that I have to deal with now in terms of responding to people, giving them um, friends who are at the police department, uh, people who are at city council, people who are um, just with us on an everyday scenario. Um, you know, friends who are, you know, a lot of non-Black friends reaching out saying, hey, bro, you're always talking about this. I'm sorry, I haven't listened more. How can I help right now? Um, and 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 some brothers and sisters who are reaching out saying, hey, my company um, has said this or is looking at doing this, that, and the other. You know, give me some tools so that I can make sure that I talk to them in a way that actually pushes the needle to true action. Um, because, you know, that though they live it as a Black man, they don't necessarily... Um, um, take on the the component of saying, here's actions that can be taken, whether it be from a legislative point of view, a policy point of view, or in dealing with police or otherwise. And so um, momentum is what I'm seeing as much as anything. Um, and I'm the doing my best to, to respond to that in a healthy way and as quickly as possible to help um, 
outside of the arena of the marches and, and protests because we need that activity that helps drive the momentum. But on the back end, I need to make sure that we can have the conversation with the city councils and the mayors and the board of supervisors and the, the assembly members so that we actually get legislation that truly changes things. Makes sense. So, yeah. Appreciate that. Mr. Roberts, we see you back. You know, we, we know you out there in the, in the hills and in the country, which, you know, you, you got uh, elbow room in, in your neck of the woods. You don't have neighbors right up on you. So it's okay <laughs> that the Internet may be slightly shoddy. I, I do want to give you the, the uh, opportunity to continue your, your thought, though. Yeah, I, I think I was saying that, you know, the technology, I agreed with you that the technology was uh, is a huge, huge factor in, in bringing awareness to it. But specifically what I noticed what was different was this time, even leaders at tech companies like the one I work for at Intel Corporation, where you see our CEO publicly making a pledge of a million dollars um, to go to the supportive efforts to address social injustice and anti-racism and, um, you know, uh, publicly declaring that Intel is not going to stand on the sidelines. And even internally, man, it's a trip because our general counsel, I work within the law and policy group within Intel and our general counsel and our chief government affairs officer actually reached out to the black employees that are part of those groups. And they're very few, as you can imagine. I mean, even within my government and, and uh, markets and trade group, there's like 17 of them. So for them to have that conversation, I remember how emotional I got because it was something that I never thought that I would see in my lifetime. Uh, someone, you know, within the MCN and leadership asking black employees, are you guys okay? How are you feeling? We're with you. And, you know, so, so it, it's a big difference. But what I was saying was I noticed that uh, people were able to see the complete lack of compassion uh, that these police officers had in this case seeing a grown man in his in his dying breath calling for his mom that that was just powerful so I, I'm, I'm honored to be here with you brothers man and and I'm so glad that uh, you know people that are within my sphere of influence even what I do with the humane party um, are, have a chance to see this and hear our voices today thank you yeah, um, what where I am, and I'm gonna be honest with you. It, 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 I'm I'm really angry, but I, I'll tell you why why I'm angry at these large corporations. All of a sudden, we should have been listening. You know, NFL. We I should have listened. Come on, man. You know, you didn't not know that we were being affected like this. And and I got an email from uh, we we have uh, TechSoup. You know, TechSoup sends a sends an email saying we're not going to stand for this anymore. Where where were you last month? Uh, Intel, where were you last? Everyone, where were you last month? The only reason why you're stepping up now, I believe, is you you have to. You're you're forced to. You don't want to be left out at this point. You don't want to be left out of the conversation of pledging money. You don't want to let be left out of the conversation for all of a sudden creating a diversity squad. I believe that those officers' lack of compassion has brought out passion 
so much passion that other folk can't sit on the sideline anymore and they got to do something. I really believe that. I don't believe some of them are genuine in their giving. I'll just be honest with you. I don't. Mm. If you were, where were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's real talk. That's real talk. You know, uh, me personally, I, I think I could speak for the folks at Intel, specifically for the black folks at Intel, right? Um, you know, we are far and few between at, at Intel, but we do have folks like Barbara Y, um, you know, Chief Diversity Inclusion Officer that we've been working with for a long time. So there's been an internal internal struggle, you know, and you can imagine with a corporation the size of 100,000 people. Right. Um, but you're right. You are absolutely right, man. I'm not, I'm not going to argue with that because for years, and, and, you know, in my closing remarks, I hope I can share something that I wrote 23 years ago that affects me today. But what you are saying, Reverend, is 100% true. And I, I, I have no, no, defense, no defense at all for that. Uh, I'd like to touch on that a little bit um, because I think there's just there's a, a basic level of um, inertia, if you will, that that happens with that. You know, so whether it be the Intel's or the other large corporations, um, it, what happens in the social arena um, is um, no better, I'll say, and definitely far worse than what they would see in a technology arena. You know, it, it, when the small guys, the the adventurous kids out of college are doing something around um, artificial intelligence or big data or uh, machine language or machine learning, et cetera. The big companies, aren't, they're not at the, the leading edge of that typically. They're, they're, they're sort of waiting for someone to come up with it, push it forward and have a true idea in terms of innovation. And then they get behind it. Um, and, and so in terms of making sure that social justice is there, um, sadly, they, they, they lack behind far more. And so I, I'm in complete agreement in terms of where are they? Because um, the reality is, is you take any corporation out there, they have employees there and they can easily look and say, how can we can contribute to the, the arena of social justice or just equality for blacks? And let's start off by looking at our employee base. Who are we hiring? Are, are, are our managers hiring people of color? Are our executives bringing on people of color? Are, are they bringing on black people? You know, what does our population look like? Are the people who we market our products to actually people who we hire within our company, within these organizations? And the answer unequivocally for most of these companies is an absolute no, is an absolute no. And so there, there's a clear opportunity for them to do better. And and, and to your point, I, I, I'm in complete agreement with you in terms of where were they? Um, and, and in giving them a, a very, very small um component of 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 pass of a pass if you will is is whether it be in this arena whether it be in many of the leading edges of technology they're typically the the second mover they're not that first mover they're not going to be the one that jumps on the innovation right up front but let's be real equality of blacks ain't innovation you know this ain't this ain't no um new thing that just came up in the last five ten years that some kid in college created we, we've been on this for 40 50 60 years since the company Intel was created, and then let's not pick on Intel. Let's go down a line of anybody who's local. You know, HP, um, you know, Sutter, Kaiser. Uh, you pick the company. This is no secret out there. The the lack of equality. You can look in the neighborhoods that we're probably all living in, right. and and, right. and quickly see 
um, what's really going on in terms of how blacks are treated. And, and all of that comes back to systemic and infrastructural um, racism that has happened for generations. Everything from the suburbs that we probably live in to how those suburbs were created to the school districts that our kids are in to how, you know, how we eat. You know, the grocery stores that are available in our hood and, and those that aren't available where so many of our people live here locally. So um, you, you raise so a good point. You raise a good point because even how we eat, James can tell you, man, one of the reasons why outside of what I do at Intel, I ran. I actually I, you may not know this, man, but I in 2016, I actually ran for president of the United States. The VP that I selected to run with me is Dr. Amy Breeze Harper. And she she dismantles her life's work is dismantling systemic racism. And it was strategic on my part to ask her to run with me. Um, but also we're 22 years. I'm a 22 year vegan. So you're right. I think food has a lot to do with it. I think um, systemic oppression has a lot to do with it. And as a black man, what I can do is work for a tech company that has never had a black CEO in its 53 year history and try to be the CEO. What I can do is participate in a political party where part of their platform that I was able to influence says that we should as a country recognize through the passing of the Genocide Recognition Reparations and Reconciliation Act, the European invasion of the land masses now under US jurisdiction as compromising a series of unprovoked acts of war and genocide, and that the transatlantic human slave trade and the institution of human slavery itself is, is, was really compromising a series of unprovoked acts of war and genocide and, and, and Let's craft some legislation. But as you know, that's going to be a, an uphill battle with the folks in Congress because we have to have those allies in Congress to be able to introduce those type of bills. So, uh, man, I, I'm, this is just so powerful. And you guys are inspiring me so much that I hope to become a CEO of an Intel one day or at least in my lifetime uh, instigate some sort of change where we do see that. Hello, everybody. Uh, Isaiah Clay again here. <clears throat> um, I don't I don't work for a huge corporation and I can't speak to uh, what they've done. I've seen with, you know, they're now starting to step up now and amidst, you know, these these, these events and things like that. But um, what I see, what I've seen lately is that it's a perfect storm of everything. You, you, you have to imagine 30 million people plus are out of work right now. Um, we're seeing these videos, horrible videos filmed of black individuals being lynched. I mean, it's a public lynching. It's not just, it's not just, oh, there was, there was a chance they were doing something different. No, it's, it's an execution. And so, you know, not only from these stories, people have access to information from the past to say, is this real? Is this what's really, has this been going on? And they read these stories, these Emmett Tills, uh, you know, Stephon Clark, um, the, the situation, um, Stefan Clark here in Sacramento, I mean, just all these things that are just happening to our, our community, the people that are happening. So I see a lot of people on my social media that are 
very well informed that are that can go back years and and see the systemic racism that's been going on uh, for 400 plus years for since since we've been since we come to this country since we've been taken taken from our country to come here so um, you know that's what I'm seeing that's what I see in my in my world I see a lot of people um, because of the military I see a lot of people who are Republican who are you know who who are really very proud of that and it's all about America and not to say and they're basically taking away our Americanism from us just because we're black no we want to be included we want equality that's what this whole thing is about and so we see people who are um, trying to say that we're not because we're not getting treated fairly that was what the whole thing that's what America was stood on was equality and fairness for everybody because the British were trying to take over the original colonies so um, you know, that's that's what I see on the floor. I see a lot of people from different races and different cultures and different backgrounds with the knowledge with that can speak to this stuff. And it's just not us angry black men on our soapbox telling uh, telling them what's going on. They know they see it. They see these stories. We're not just we're not just talking to empty void, empty ears and empty people who don't care about our plight. I, I was at the march yesterday in Sacramento. I saw a ton. I mean, every color of the rainbow was down there in Sacramento at Cesar Chavez Park in front of the Capitol. We, we marched, we were there. So, um, you know, it, it's a beautiful thing to see that people are trying to, we're taking notice. Now, I can't speak to the corporations, but I, I, I feel that there is something coming on the horizon. I feel that change. I feel it in my heart. I feel it everywhere that I see. I see people, you know, with their fists in the air, taking a knee. I saw a little white girl on social media this morning. She couldn't have been more than 10 and she took a knee and had her fist in the air. And that's huge. That's huge that we're crossing age gaps. We're crossing race gaps. They see it. We're in, they're doing protests in Berlin. They're doing protests in uh, South America. They're doing, we, every, every state in America had a protest. That, that is unprecedented. It's large. That's telling, man. And, and you, you may, you, I, I'm going to interject because I, I know we were going around the horn and, and, and I'm going to bring Verge back on, but. Isaiah, what, what you were saying was that it's not just angry black men right now on this camera that are talking. What what, what we're doing is we're trying to make that dialogue. We're, we're trying to actually have a conversation of how can we make sure everyone sees the plight of what we're going through, what we've been going through for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, plus 200, right? So within our lifetime, and how can we make sure that that 10 year old white girl that you see out there on the corner, kneeling with the mask on with the sign that says black lives matter. That says, I can't breathe. It says whatever it says that that's in solidarity with, with the movement. How do, how do we make sure that that matters? Right? Because again, I, I said on my last show that, that I did uh, last week um, with brother, uh, brother Damon Smith, I'm tired of the hashtags. I'm tired of running 2.23 miles and posting that online. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of just doing that. And actually, we, I was watching the Dear 2020 Graduates uh, live broadcast on YouTube today, and Michelle Obama stole my line, right? Because she said that as well. And I, I, was, I was saving that in, in my opening remarks. But again, we, we need, we're, we're trying to do more than just black out our screens on Instagram for 24 hours. What are you doing beyond that? Right. Yep. What, what, what are you doing to move the message, move the conversation to, to, to make change in 
your sphere of influence. I'm not trying to change the entire world. I got no. a platform here, but I, I'm projecting to, I am projecting to the world right now with some, some, some concrete messages with some, with some winners in society. I got, I got Congress folks. I got pastors. I got, uh, folks that ran for president of the United States and cliff. I did write you in, uh, <laughs> on my ballot brother. So just so you know, I wrote you in, uh, Right. I mean, I got I got I got a man here that, that fixes the airplanes that that my family flies on. I, so we, we've got a very diverse background of folks here that are touching various aspects of our community. I thus think far, yeah, go ahead, brother. I was going to say, I, I think getting their attention is, is the first step. Obviously, it's people acknowledging that this is going on. And then and then second, you know, um, asking the questions, you know, hey, what can I do? What are, what are, what are the next steps? How can we how can we get uniformed and how do we how do we go forward? What's the next steps? I, I, those are the questions that we're getting now. And so that's a lot. I mean, you have to take incremental steps to get to get changed. So we're you know, people are asking those questions. Hey, people are saying vote. People are saying get out in the streets. People are saying do all these things. And so I think that's that's starting the dialogue. It's starting. I mean, you know, Rome wasn't built in the day, but we're trying to make those incremental steps to get better, to, you know, outside of our community and within it. So. Um, yeah, the hashtags are nice and those are the things, but, you know, we do have to move towards action. We have to do, do, do better for our community and even, you know, for our world. Yeah. One thing, one thing about going forward and people asking, you know, uh, what's going on, uh, to help out, they should learn the history because you got black wall street. And I just currently learned about Orangeburg, uh, South Carolina. I was watching Matter of fact, on uh, with us, uh, uh, Soledad, and uh, that brought back that history, which I had just learned. But look at the Indians. The Indians didn't start scalping. The white people started scalping. Then when the Indians did it, they got blamed for it for starting all this. Learn our history. Take our Black history class. Find out what's going on and see what's see what's that. Then you can understand and feel our pain, and then you can really help out. You know, Mark, Mark, you bring <clears throat> bring a good point. And, you know, the thing is, is that we've been through this before. Yes. We, we talked about this before, but we have an opportunity because now that it has crossed the, uh, the, the cultural line and the age gap line, we're starting to bridge the gap. And right now is very special because what we have is we have COVID-19 that pretty much shut everything down. And we have people out there that are unemployed. We have stores closing and losing money. But the key to it is that we have all these protesters out there who are really just kind of fed up, fed up about being home. And so we, we've seen this before. We have to ask the question, where, where do we go from here? Okay, because we talk about it. We talked about it. I worked 19 years at Sheila Packard. You know, no African American in you know in upper leadership. I worked eight years at a uh, Indian casino, no African American up in up in leadership, and here we are today in 2020, and this still kind of going on with that with some company. But the thing we have to ask our, ourselves: What are the next steps now that we have everyone's attention? How do we move forward? And I'm kind of glad that the protests are all are are, are, are mellowed down. Okay, because the destruction really it gets people's attention, 
And unfortunately, that's something that's kind of necessary at some point. I, I hate to see that property is damaged and, and people are getting hurt. But now that we have everyone's attention, you know, and, and we have to keep the conversation going and say, okay, where do we go from here? How do we, how do we fix this? How do we work together and move forward? Because what I'm afraid of is in six months, when everybody is back to work and everything else, and, and we get a conviction, it starts to die down. You know, it gets about it. Right. And we don't want it to die down. It, it's happened in the past, you know, I mean, with Rodney King. You know, it happened in the past and we have so much destruction and we are rebuilding our communities just to tear it down again. And we have to bring light to, you know, how do we coach and mentor our young people in a constructive way and make sure that they really understand what happened? You know, I was just watching a, um, a, a program on Netflix, Netflix called The 13th. It's about the 13th Amendment. And I went back and watched that in the first time. It really, it, it really hit home to me because now I really truly understand why the incarceration is so high. You know, the 13th Amendment, you know, basically says you have the right to vote. But if you're a criminal, you lose your right to vote. And so that kind of comes from, you know, small amounts of marijuana or theft, or whatever the case may be. We have African-American male who are in prison who can't afford to get out. So guess what? They were on the chain game. They started building and they're there, okay? So that is a very important documentation, uh, a documentary, I think, you know, because you start to see anything that's forward you know, to modern day. So that really hit me home and I said, okay, you know, now I kind of under, really understand the loophole in the 13th Amendment. And that actually explains it very, very well. So, you know, now that we have everyone's attention, the question is- What are we gonna do about it? Yeah, but we have to direct it to the right people, okay? I mean, we can, we can say it all day, but if it doesn't hit the right people, so now we're going back to our legislature, going back <coughs> to our, our, um, our, our elected officials, you know, and don't ease up on it that we just can't ease up on them. And then that's how we can start to get something in play and move forward so that way we don't lose the momentum that we have today. Mm. Good point. Good point. Corey, we left you out of that conversation <laughs> slightly, uh, not purposely. Uh, I mean, only again, you, you're, you're not directly involved with more, more of the corporate world. And Correct. so I think I want to I want to ask and start off with with you and then go over to Pastor Ison because you're directly related to some of this as well. 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds is, is good. We need we need to have this discussion and we need to lead this discussion. But what are we talking to? How are we talking to our youth? Like, how are we talking to the folks in, in middle school, in elementary school, in, in high school, the, the, the most impressionable folks at this particular time? And, you know, they need to hear some dialogue. They're seeing this on TV. They, they're seeing this on their social media, their Snapchats, their TikTok, whatever the case may be, right? H how do we get in front of that and have this dialogue with, with our youth before they end up going off the rails and going the wrong direction. So, Corey, I'm, I'm going to turn it over to you first, brother. So, first, you're right. Um, 
and a little backstory. Last Friday, I don't know if anyone saw the news or how big it really took over uh, in Atlanta, but it started out as a peaceful protest. Uh, my girlfriend, her daughter had just turned 17 and she, uh, for her birthday, wanted to go protest. And I was dead set against it. But, you know, we were just going to agree to disagree. And what my girlfriend tried to share with me was while they were down there, it started out as a peaceful protest. And it wasn't until some of the other uh, color uh, skin color started uh, antagonizing the police. And um, but hey, she wanted. On, first of all, don't, don't, you don't have to mince words, brother. You, you, OK, you know, well, some of the white I, people. I, I, I I'm trying to be corporate. infotainment news. No, okay, brother. Well, I own infotainment I news. You, you can say it. what you need to say. Well, I'm just going to. I'm not going to say any four letter words because my pastor here. But you, you can say <laughs> what you need to say. <laughs> so basically, and, and she put an S on them. They no longer four letter words. If you put an S on them, right? <laughs> it's past. Well, I, know, well, well, I know the pastor's curse as well. But but basically, you know, the white people were they were the ones that were starting this. And it, from what turned out as a peaceful protest. And I even saw some of the organizers go on T.I.'s page and uh, they said that we really did organize this. And it was meant to be a peaceful protest. But then at 446, things kind of went a little to the to the left. And uh, with the kids, they're young, they're hungry, they have nothing to lose. This is their fight when you think about it. The 60-year-old brother, no disrespect. I mean, you grew up with the Jesse Jacksons and the Martin Luther Kings and the, you know, the Andrew Youngs. And what I've said was, and I've had an opportunity to interview um, some of our heroes that we grew up learning about. Um, and I asked, who was our leaders? Then this was years ago, but they never or they always deflected from that question. And then now my age group has come in and it's the... 40 year olds who are now having kids, although I don't have kids, it's we have things that we have to live for, such as life insurance. We got to make sure our kids are all right, make sure that they're in the good schools. But this new generation, those 17 to 22 year olds, they're the young, hungry ones. And if, I don't know if you guys saw what happened or transpired in Atlanta, but in Atlanta, when things went left on that Friday night, T.I., Killer Mike, Bernice King and the mayor had to say, not in our city. They literally tore up Peachtree Street. They tore up the CNN Center. So you went down there to go protest and then you spray painted the CNN Center sign. And as Keisha Lance Bottoms, our mayor said, this is our city. CNN was down there and we all witnessed that gentleman get handcuffed and being detained that was reporting and telling our stories. So we all witnessed that. So next thing you know is you have these kids that are full of energy, full of rage, but they don't have anyone that they can look up to. So how do you have that conversation with someone? It's literally us six or eight of us that's in this in this room having a conversation with that young brother or that young sister saying these are some of the things that we've gone through and or that we've experienced. And we have to be their eyes and their ears for the ones that are in elementary and middle school and starting to go transition into high school, um, you're going to have to have honest conversations. It's no different from, I'm pretty sure all of you guys who have kids have said, I've had to have that talk with my kids if they get pulled over by the police. Mm -hmm. However, you've had that talk, you've had to have that talk. And I think they have, they have to have that talk. Friday night, it's so funny because one of my brothers, 
when I first moved up to Michigan, he was my math teacher. He was four years older than me. First year teaching white guy. I just transferred from Atlanta to Lansing, Michigan. And he was the first person that I met to this day. We are best of friends. He gave me his car for prom because my dad wouldn't let me have the car and told me you're going to drive your little beat up, you know, Cutlass Sierra to prom. And he said, no, take my 1997 Pontiac Grand Am for 25 years, 25 years that we've been friends. Sat Friday night was the first time he wanted to have a conversation with me about race. And I said, we shouldn't have this conversation because we've never you've never treated me no different than. You treated your sister, your brother, your mom or your dad. You treated me equally. So if you want to talk about race, let's talk about it. And hopefully, James, as you do this moving forward, you hold some of those Intel brothers that the brother works for or some of your corporations. Bring some of the white people in because right now it's just us talking right now. Right. But you got to bring the white people in so they can start to say, all right, well, I didn't know that this existed. That's or I saw it or I'm just turning a blind eye to it. No, this really happens. And then now you need to have that conversation with your kid. And when you have that conversation with your kid, say just and I asked him, he said, how are you dealing with this with your kids? And he says, well, I'm applying for an assistant principal job. And all week he had been interviewing for two different jobs. And he says uh, they're going to protest in a white community of Michigan, Novi, Michigan. They're going to protest tomorrow. And he said he went to his wife and the wife said, I've already talked to the girls. Well, the, the wife, she comes from a conservative family and he's more he came from a liberal family. So I'm like, well, what was that conversation? Even though he didn't share that with me, you, you felt comfortable enough to come to me. But your wife, does she feel comfortable talking to me? Does she know what's going on? So how do you share that message to that nine and 11 year old white girl? That the same conversation that you guys are having with your kids. So I think it's just really being honest. I think it's just calling it to the front. And I think it's more of us, the young brothers. Hey, pull your pants up. You know, don't be so dismissive when a cop talks to you. I mean, some some of these conversations you just have to have with them and say, <laughs> however, you have that conversation at home. You may have to just pull another young brother because some of these brothers don't have fathers. So with that being said, I think that's kind of how you. Uh, tackle the angle with the youth. Um, we just don't have a leader. Who is their leader? Who can you look up to? And I think what we saw on Friday night, it's sad to say, but I think our rappers, T.I. and Killer Mike, they respected them enough that the arrest that they made, I think 75% of them, maybe 80, I don't want to give you the actual percentage, but they weren't even from Atlanta. Why would you tear up our? Why would you tear up your city? Yeah. So that, that's my take on it. Appreciate that. And before, Pastor, because I, I know I wanted you to provide your feedback, I, I, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a contradict you slightly, Corey. And, you, you know, you say we don't have any leaders. Yeah, yeah, we don't have the we don't have the Malcolms. We don't have the Marvin anymore. We don't we don't have those folks. But everyone that's on this screen right now, again, is a leader within their what I call their sphere of influence. We are the ones that need to raise up, pull our pants up and uh Cliff, you, you know, our old friend of mine always used to say, pull your shoes up, mm. right? We're the ones that need to step up and actually lead by example. So 
So I, I, I kind of disagree. I agree, but I disagree with you, Corey, just on that statement. I think everyone here can be a leader within their own sphere of influence and need to have these conversations. But uh, you, you're, you're correctly on point with everything that you said. And, not, and, and as a rebuttal, not to take anything away from you, James. Keep, keep we talking. Are, Let, let's we, go. We're, we're our here, own right? local leaders because I work with youth. I have a nonprofit. And when we talk mm-hmm. to the kids, those are those kids at that community center when I talk to them or in that neighborhood that I'm talking to them. But I'm talking about that Malcolm or that Martin. They didn't. They may not have talked to Virgil or talked to uh, Dr. Uh, the pastor, Dr. David. I don't know your last name, sir, but they may not have talked to them, but they were able to pass on a message to where it was universal, no matter which way. And that's my thought that, like you said, we're all leaders. But that national leader that you're saying, oh, I'll look up to Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton was the last if they right now, uh, Al Sharpton is giving the eulogy, but I think Jamal Bryan is doing a great job. You know, Dr. Jamal Bryan, I think he's starting to show that young man leadership where a lot of youth are starting to come behind him. And I don't know if it's going to be a pastor. I don't know if it's going to be a rapper. I don't know if it's going to be an influencer. It could be a tech guy. We don't know. But I'm just saying on a national level where everyone can recognize that name, who do you pass that torch to? So. True. And again, remember, I told you ahead of time, and you know me from interviewing <laughs> back in the day. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a instigate, right? Yeah, so I'm, you can. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask the questions, or I'm going, I'm gonna spur kind of that conversation. Before so you, I, before you move on to the next topic, can I add this real quick? And I'll try yes, to make this as brief as possible. Tuesday, we vote on June 9th. and I guess I can pose this to all the brothers, and y'all can ask me how is a person supposed to handle this, and I don't know the brother's name, but. Uh, John Lewis is running for his seat again. And I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but he announced in December that he had cancer. So there's another young brother that's running against him. And he reached out. I I went to go do all my research before I did my early voting. And he reached out to Dr. I mean, to John Lewis. And he said, look, brother, you fought your fight. You've you've made change groom me help me let me be you know show me the way so i could carry your torch and you can sit down and john lewis never responded back and in turn this is what said i'm not trying to run against you in in spite or anything like that but i want to show that i am this next leader you ignored this man and he's now trying to vote now we already know john lewis is a household name so he's going to get voted back in his opposition, she was caught up in a scandal. If people do their research, she was caught up in a scandal with Phaedra Parks and Apollo, uh, who the gentleman went to uh, went to prison. Donald Trump pardoned her. So now you have this lady who just got pardoned by Donald Trump. You got John Lewis, who won't pass that torch. And then you got another young brother that has very little experience, but is saying, hey, you fought that fight. What does a young leader do in that situation and i guess that's for all eight of you guys or seven of you guys that are in this room and i think it's and these are these are two brothers so what do you do he he's a young kid saying hey i want to be that next leader show me the way but the senior is saying i'm not ready to pass my torch over i'm not ready to give it give it to you what do you do yeah i think i I, I think we're confusing a couple things here 
So, so there's a difference between passing the port, the, the torch, and 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 stepping down from the position that you're in. Um, and and honor to, I think it's uh, the sister. There's two sisters, uh, Angela Stanton, something Powell, I think it is, and then I forget the brother's name, and then the other sister. They have every right to run. They're, that's politics, man. They, they they need to do that. We 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 need young, lively folk coming in to challenge the generation that's already in place. That that should be a continuum. They, and they don't need John Lewis's permission to do that. They need to go after it. And likewise, John Lewis don't owe them a conversation, a tutoring, or or a, a lifelong lesson on here's how you replace me. Now, God forbid he doesn't do it with somebody, you know, maybe that'd be wrong. But but that's different from passing the torch and from someone feeling like they are ready to take on that responsibility. And we have no clue who John might be um, might have or might be um, prepping right now in real time. I mean, you know, we got plenty of folk coming out of Georgia, you know, and the easy name is Sister Stacey Abrams right now, who's just lighting things up all over the place. She's and not so, running for anything right now. That's aside from the point. I'm just saying, in, in general, there's plenty of people there. So I, I don't think we look at the role of a politician and say who is or isn't um, having the torch passed to them or not. And, and really, all of those who's running against John Lewis, they should be running. That, that's absolutely, if you feel that you're ready for office, run for it. You don't need permission to. And matter of fact, we need more brothers and sisters running for something. We need more brothers and sisters running for stuff locally. We, we Wherever you at, we need you running for a central committee within the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, whatever party you're part of. We need you running for the central committee. We need you thinking about school board. I need you thinking about fire commission. I need you thinking about water board. I need you thinking about... Um, it, any board or commission that's going on locally, you need to be running for that. We need brothers and sisters in place right there because that's how systemic and infrastructural racism happens because we're not at that table. So and let, so, me, let me jump in. It, 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 yeah, started, go ahead. Out. it started out <laughs> no, here's, because, because we've gone to another conversation. Um, Agreed. From, you know, we've, gone, we've gone to another conversation from how do we deal with our young people, right? Yes. And now we're talking about running for office. And all that. We, I get all of that. Yes. But, but one of my conversation points to how we deal with our young people, it goes outside of just the home, right? Who spends the most time with our young people on a daily basis? Prior to COVID, it was teachers. It was administrators in the school. That's where some of the conversation starts. Just about every school, I can only speak for California. But so many school districts are a part of CSBA, California School Board Association. They just launched two years ago an equity initiative. They call it an equity network. I was one of the inaugural members of the equity network. And we're putting some things on paper that some of the teachers need to start talking about these things that these young people don't hear about. I'm not talking about how to, how to act when they pull you, pull you over. I'm talking about what's going on in the world. We have our own conversations with our children and and, and, and our mentors in, in the community to tell the kids, put your hand on the steering wheel, say yes, sir, no, sir, don't do anything to provoke law enforcement. Those conversations, I believe, I had in the community, in the home. But some of the conversations about what's going on need to be had by the, the teachers that actually see these kids. And when you talk about black folk on these boards if they don't speak up then I, I hate to say it's no point in having them on there i've been on the school board for a decade and expulsions went 
I was talking loud. Y'all hear it. I'm trying to back up. But but when they start talking about the disproportionate number of expulsions of African-American kids of color, we dealt with that. And in our district alone, it has come down. But we have to have people that are willing to have those difficult conversations with the people that stand in front of them every single day. Those kids, believe it or not, they, they listen to their teacher because they have to. So how many instructors do we have? So instead of a whole lot of people running for political office, we need to start convincing some more African-Americans to get into the teaching profession so kids see their own selves when they're standing, when someone's standing in front of them. Let's do both of them. Let's do both. Yeah, I agree. Let's both run for office and be in a classroom because we need both. Both is cool with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the teachers are huge because I, I mean, growing up in California, I could, I don't, I don't even know if I had that many male or black teachers throughout my life. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, and so that that goes to play to how we think about stuff. And I'll say another thing um, about about reaching the the kids is we got to learn how to communicate with them because the way that you guys got information, access the information is different than the, how they access that information and how they bring it up. Um, I think I think we need to do there. There needs to be a, a better dialogue, a better communication route. Because I have nephews and I have nieces, and they sit in front of their phones all day. I mean, how do you connect? How do you connect those kids with real problems, with things that are going on in their phone, where people have these influencers who are flashing money, and they have these huge houses and cars, and they don't see that work that it takes to get there. So, how do we know how to communicate that? Like, hey, it takes hard work to get to where it needs to be, to where we want to be, and so. Um, I, I think communication is huge. We we, we got to find out how to infiltrate that that sphere, though, that younger generation, that younger mentality. How they how they access it? How we how we can tell them that truth? Because if they don't see it, then they don't believe it. All right. So no disrespect yeah. to anybody, and I don't want to cause conflict. But in all honesty, I have family that are teachers, friends that are teachers, and right now we already know that they have their hands tied just trying to get the curriculum out. And still trying to just be able to get that passing score, that that threshold that they have to pass. And if you don't make that threshold, then you're out of a job. You may lose your credentials or whatever the case may be. And it's the parent, shall we say. And we've all and I don't know how many of you guys saw it, but I saw a lot of complaints from the parents saying when is school open back up? The teachers, the parents were the new teachers and they weren't even ready to do this. And the teachers are saying, Hey, you're saying, put it on the teachers, doc, uh, pastor. You can't put it on the teachers. I mean, you, you can only hold them accountable to so much. The parents have to do that. And unfortunately in the neighborhoods that I frequent and I know they don't have that luxury. The parent is either working two or three jobs. Number one, they don't have time for their kids. Um, and then if they do have time for their kids, they're trying to run them out. You know, it's like, I'm, like you said, I, I where they're on their phone. With you, bro. But, I got to disagree with you, bruh. I'm that, not putting it on the teacher. I'm not putting it on the teacher. I'm saying that one of the most influencers in these kids' life is, is a the teacher. person that right. stands right. in front of them right. for eight hours a day. And yeah. somehow, I understand curriculum, I understand test scores, but what I am saying is if the teachers care, and that's why the other thing I said was let's get some African-Americans to teachers. become teachers, right? Yes. Because yes. If you can weave anything into the conversation of curriculum, 
I got uh, to preach about Jesus every Sunday, uh, right? Com- but com- but I also talk about things that got nothing to do with Jesus because I got somebody who's willing to listen to me. So Amen. Exactly. One of, one of the comments that just came on my timeline, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if James can see those comments because I did a watch party, but somebody just said in the comments said, if schools aren't even about education anymore, what makes you think that they're going to have those race conversations? These kids don't even listen to their teachers. Because you got to get people that want to have those conversations. Yes. That's, about, that's well, what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you got to pull people in that are willing to have those conversations. I'm so sorry. I, I, I came up through schools with black teachers, with with. I, I, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. I had black teachers. I went to an all black high school. I had 60 on the low end of my school and I had 60% black teachers. We had these conversations all day, every day. Yeah, and, but and those conversations aren't being had today, though. Well, that goes depending to the brother's on the, point, the, the, point of having black teachers in the school. But if that, you have a black teacher and you're not having those conversations, then what do you say? I those said conversations that what are you got to do is connect to have those conversations. We agree that they're not being had, but what we're yeah. what I'm saying is they need to be had. And when you start running for school board, when an African-American gets on the school board and they join the equity network for a state, then you start making those conversations possible. Those teachers hear what the boards talk about at the board meetings, and many times that's where they believe that they get their directions from or what's what, what the board is talking about. So if there's some more lively conversations about race and equity, that's Absolutely. where I am. And, 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 and it doesn't have to be a focused conversation about race and equity. Let's be real. I, my kids are practically the only white, I mean, black kids in their school. However, when those white kids get there, based upon me pushing on the principal or on the teachers or on the school board, there's conversations being had that those white kids are never going to have when they go home, when they're in their community or otherwise. And that's because I got my black kids there and I'm pushing on the principal, I'm pushing on the teachers, and I'm pushing on the school board. But that's so on that we, side of town, though. What about the other side of town? What other? The other side of town actually got black people in their schools. What you talking exactly. about? I mean, but those conversations aren't being had. That's what I'm so saying. So we got to push for them to be had is what I'm saying. We can't. I can't just say they're not being had and not offer something to make them happen. I, 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 I'm I saying we do need to come up with a solution. I do agree with that. But I'm saying you guys may live in the suburbs, but the ones that live in the inner city may not have those same conversations because it's a curriculum that needs to be taught or it's about sports. We already know that if you do in this, I don't want to sway away from the, the, the topic at hand, but I am saying that we know that parents don't show up to the parent teacher conferences. We do know on certain side of the towns. And like I said, I'm talking more about the inner city, not necessarily the the middle class or the upper echelon. But I'm just saying these are the problems that I see and I hear the complaints from those teachers that work in those school districts or in that area. That's what I'm saying. So I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not saying that those conversations should not be had. But the thing is, when the teachers are being told by their administrators that we don't have time for that. That's, yeah, well, the, 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 that's a discussion the about equity, though, bro. That's a, that's a complete discussion about equity. When you're talking about that other side of town and what ain't happening there, we're, we're, we're talking about socioeconomical equity issues that actually preventing some of that happen from families that gets ignored in the greater realm of systemic racism. So well, you know, we're, we're talking about, and, and I'm sorry, Verge was wanting to talk, so I'm going to shut up here and let Verge get in there on that. Well, I, I say, I, you, you both bring up very, very good points. But I think we're kind of missing the core of, 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 of these conversation is that's the kids. Because yes. if we don't bring that to them, 
they don't have the tools to go back to their parents or the teacher and start asking these questions. And when they start asking these questions about uh, 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 about these equities, then some of those conversations could come up. And I'm gonna tell you, when my son was in, when he was in middle school, Black History Month, he came to me and he said, hey, they didn't talk about black history at all. And I said, okay, what do you, what do you think we should do about it? He said, I think I should go talk to him. He went back to the teacher and asked her about black history. Now, although she only gave just a little piece of it, but I went to talk to them too. They were uncomfortable with that conversation. And so, but by him, him you know, bringing that up, the other kids are starting to bring it up and some of the other kids were bringing it up. And so now they were gonna put more in, but the teachers are uncomfortable with that conversation. The administrators were uncomfortable with that conversation. And some folks don't want to bring too much up because they don't want to, A, feel that they're an angry black man coming to the school trying to force their opinions down on there because they're uncomfortable with that. And B, is that how do we get this information on there by taking it to mentor programs and all this other stuff. But then again, we give them that information. We give them those coaching and we give them things to think and talk about. But it don't go back to the school because that curriculum is not designed for some of those. Now I'm not talking about uh, um, um, you know all the schools there because you have to be able to find a way to bridge that. And when you talk to these kids and give them the information and the information that we have to use with them is bridge the gap between you know the baby boomers and the generation x and how do we communicate with them so we have to come closer to their end they're using technology they're using all these apps and we have to be a little more strategic and in, in pushing that information to them and getting them to communicate and use that information to tell us what is it that they want and they want to see put it in a TikTok to a good beat and you got them well, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because somebody else in my comments just said one of our biggest problems are kids are being raised by social media, video games and television and everything. But the parents, the teachers don't stand a chance. Our youth are not being prepared to take over. They're not prepared to step up to the plate. Man, right. and they ain't failing no more than we have. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we got to stop this. No, They're no, not no, 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 no. I don't agree have. with that. And okay, well, I, I completely disagree. I mean, let's let's be honest now. You know, you're the one who brought up about how there are no leaders out there. Nobody's sure. stopping me, you, or anyone else from being that big leader across the, across the stage in the United States. These are very clear components that we allow ourselves to be labeled based upon a leader. Who's the white leader in the United States of America? There ain't one. I mean, let's be honest. We as African-Americans are a conglomerate no less than what whites are. I, I don't need the next Malcolm or Martin to come up for me because I'm holding it down all day, every day, right here, right now. And if any brother needs help, I'm here for them. And I, I'm ready to confront the assembly. I'm ready to confront the police. I'm ready to confront whoever's necessary on their behalf for their rights. And and so I, I, I'm not hearing this. The youth are now somehow you know, dysfunctional and they're less than us, them young brothers and sisters are killing it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, they are out there on the streets right now doing more than most of us did 20 years ago, right now. And then we're talking about they're not there, they're killing it. They're, they're, they're killing it. And, and, and they, they come with a lack of fear. They come with a lack of fear that says, we need to see change. We are sick of seeing what's going on here. We're going to do something about it. Yeah, I'm taking my phone down here. I'm going TikTok. I'm going IG, and I'm going to do everything else, and we're going to record the police, and we're going to make something change and happen. 
we're going to be disruptive. And that might be on your side of town, but the side of town that I live on is totally. So, so I got somebody that really wants to give you, give you, uh, <laughs> no, she, she want to give. <laughs> and and that's good, right? She, like like you said, she want to bring that smoke. But here yeah. here's the idea, and, and I want to bring it back in the context of again what the. What the what, what, thank you. What, this is what the topic is all about, right? And again, so so Pastor, again, I, I guess I want to bring it back in the context of what we're talking about because because we're going down a whole yeah, right, it's right. a whole different branch, branch, right, right, branch, right, right, and, and we're gonna have this conversation too because don't 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 worry, we're gonna have, remember you gotta uh, keep it a time limit, but I mean we're gonna have part two. Yeah, it needs to be hey. a part two, three, four, five, and six, and you need to and this hey, is what, this is what we need. The only, the only person that got a hard stop is uh, Uncle Verge right there. He got some other important business. So everybody else, you know, we, well, we you know this, but, uh, but again, you know what? Can I say this? Can I say this? Go ahead. What, what I wanted to say, and what I was trying to, we were talking about who is going to communicate with the children what we are seeing happening right now. Correct. That's what I believe that we were started out. With this conversation, that, that was my question. You I know, guess. Oh, and, 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 so, <laughs> and so my point with the instruction and people talking about all and everything. Here is the per. Everybody's talking about it now. So if they ain't really wanted to touch on it, if they ain't been comfortable, white folk comfortable talking about it now. Here's the perfect opportunity. That's yeah, all I was trying to say. Yeah, we do have an opportunity right now to move forward on there. So if we, now that we have the opportunity, and I go back to my statement earlier, is that how do we move forward with the young folks, you know, who's getting involved? And I'm not talking about, if we talk about vote, get out and vote, <clears throat> one of the things that young people don't do, they don't vote until it comes for the president of the United States. Correct. But we have, we have community, we have people running for community boards. And so we need to make sure we teach them locally what it is that's happening in their community that's affecting them and then that way they'll learn and they can bring that on uh, but so the thing is is that we are in a unique situation right now where we have all this is going on and we have everybody's attention and so we need to keep pushing on this and be strategic about it. How do we go forward? How do we move forward? And the young kids can tell us this and the older folks can tell us this. We just have to, you know, be strategic and move forward with this now that we have everybody's attention. Totally agree. Totally agree. And and for, for some of that pieces, for some of those pieces, um, well, I see it. Um, I'm a delegate with the California State Democratic Party. And as a part of that, I, I see the young Democrats coming up. I, I see young brothers and sisters who are taking their position. Heck, I, and I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. I spend a lot of time back there with those who are actually looking to do the same. And I can't tell you the number of 19 to 25 year olds who are out there beating the streets, who are making their voice be heard and who are leading this very piece here that we're talking about in history right now. There are the ones out there on the street with their backpacks and doing their own medical work and making sure that they're communicating with each other and sending all these messages. And so when we say communicating with them, I think part of the, the component here is, is we are missing it. it it's, it's part of it is we're, we're, we're the ones who's trying to figure out like, yo, what they doing? And, and they scattering all over the place and be like, yo, <laughs> how do we know what's really going on? They're causing the disruption that's going to make it easier for us to make systemic change. 
because they are making it fr- they're making it frustration frustrating for the police officers for the cities and everybody saying how do we get something under control here these kids won't get out the street these people won't stop this and they're mixing it in across all races and in the meanwhile i get to do work on the back end and i get to have a calm conversation i'm like now look you can work with me on making a change in this law or i'm gonna sick them kids back on you yeah. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and they much rather deal with me and so, 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 the, so, so the the narrative, the the narrative that the youth aren't engaged or that the youth are doing something bad or so on and so forth, they're not doing it the way that we're doing it. And so we're, we're missing each other, but we're doing we're, we're on the same path. And and those kids have fire all up in them to make change. And I think we need to 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 recognize that and and try not to be um, ageist about it and saying that you know. Us older mature folk, we doing it the right way, and we on the way. Them kids at them kids out there eating it up. They 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 bringing that fire, man. Yeah, you know, I, I think we should be uh, impressed, and we should be um, encouraged, honestly, by this Dick's generation. Look, my my oldest just now graduated from high school, and and the mentality that she has moving forward through all of this pandemic, uh, you know, everything that she's unfortunately lost of experiencing. Her senior year, even my, my my youngest, right? He's now a junior in high school. Lord, he's a junior in high school. Lord, um, <laughs> right? But you know, just 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 to see that his growth and to see that his comments that he's making amongst his friends, even online, I mean, they get it, right? And and they are taking advantage and mobilizing through the uh, the platforms that they have. You know, we keep talking about the you know the, the TikToks and the Snapchats and the Instagram things that they are talking amongst each other about what they really feel and how they can make a change. We we did it back in our day. We did it our way, and to an extent it worked. To another extent it didn't work. But the way I started this show is again, I'm seeing more activism amongst a. Neapolitan of swath of of society, and is that is that a good word? I, I, I broke yeah. out with Neapolitan. I'm preaching here. Well, I, I had to bring the pastor back on. I'm preaching all about the but, butter pecan yeah. myself. Like Reverend Davis used to say, "Make it plain." That's what I'm trying yeah. to do. Um, but but again, I, I guess what what I'm seeing is more and more folks that are that are that are coming up and are getting ready to branch out on their own are making their voices and their statements known and are uh, impressing upon us, I believe, again, right? I mean, we, we can't sit down and be quiet because the the 20-year-olds, the teens, the early, the, the 10-year-old white girl, like you said, Isaiah, right, is out there making a statement. I have a feeling that that girl would have gone out there, she would have found a way. She'd have jumped on an Uber. She'd have jumped on public transportation. If she, she's got something on her heart to say right now because she's seeing all these stories that are negatively affecting folks within her community, you got to stand up and say something. You, you, you cannot sit on the, on the sidelines and not say something if this is affecting you to your core and to your heart. Right. I mean, I mean, that, that's, that's the reason that's the crux of this conversation. We have a lot of other things to talk about. I'm, I'm loving the dialogue. I'm loving the fact that we're talking about, uh, public education and, and how we can continue to work on that and build that, how we can go out and talk to our folks in uniform, be they emergency uh, personnel, 
police, things of that nature. We need to go out and have those conversations. But the conversation with our youth, we need to maybe turn the TV off, maybe put the phone down at the dinner table and actually Unplugged. have the conversation. Ha- have the hard conversations mm. with, with those folks because, honestly, they know a little bit more than we do at, at sometimes, right? So uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to put it that way. And again, in, in, the, in, the, in the interest of time, because again, I, I, I know uh, Uncle Verge there may, may have a hard stop, but uh, I'm loving this dialogue and we're we going to keep it going. I, I do want to bring up, I guess, an, another question, and it kind of falls in with the, the first two that, that we've talked about. And, you know, how do we move from today to tomorrow? I'm not even talking about midterm or long term. I'm I'm just I'm trying to get to Monday, right? And you know that brings about a whole bunch of different contexts as well because you know I, I go out and run, I go out and ride my bike, and you know I I got to set the you know the the emergency um, locator on for my family just in case. I come up missing while I'm out there riding my bicycle out here in my neighborhood. I mean, that, that's that's a whole other context. But thoughts or actions from you guys in terms of how we move forward to heal both the black community and then the so the black community, the national community, and then from a global perspective, because everybody is stepping back and everyone is saying what's happening in America right now with, with black folks is wrong. It's, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, we're no longer COVID-19 is still critical and still an issue and is real and it's still uh, something that needs to be addressed. But when, when you start seeing folks across the globe that are having conversations saying, you know, what, 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 what they're doing to not just black men, but black folks systematically in the United States from those in positions of power and authority is wrong. How do we move forward? Just to get, I'm just trying to get to Monday, right? I, I got phone calls. I got Zooms that start at seven o'clock in the morning. How do I get to that from today? Uh, and let me start with first. Let me let me start with you, sir. Well, you know, I, I think we have everybody's attention, and and these young folks, we have to encourage them to be our leaders because those are our leaders, and you know, uh, encourage them to keep. The, the conversation going to keep talking and sometimes we as adults have to take a step back and put them in front of us and walk along with them and encourage them to be the leaders of that I, I i don't know the answer you know i mean you know we can just go day by day and see how we can we can go forward but i think we will miss a opportunity if we drop the ball and don't uh take advantage of this um, this conversation and, and keep them going because they have the energy, you know, more than a lot of us. And I think if we can tap into that energy and that passion, um, you know, I think great things can happen. But we have to try to find a, a way to continue to do it together, you know, and, 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 and bridge that gap in there. And I think we're kind of getting to that point. But, um, you know, there's a lot of work to be be done. And I think everybody um, understand that. And, um, you know, what, whatever we can do, conversations like this is great for me because, you know, now my mind is starting to think and some things that I need to kind of sit back down and just start thinking about and, and, and how do we move forward? You know, I mean, I, 
I just saw I'm, I'm in Elk Grove and I drove down the street and there's a you know, there's a gang of people on the corner with Black Lives Matters. You know, I can't breathe. And they're young, young folks, you know, and it's, it's, it's important to tap into those folks and let them know that we want to tap into them. And we want we want to let them know that there are our future leaders and encourage that and keep and keep it, you know, the momentum going. I think, uh, and to, to talk about healing, I think um, in the long term, um, I think is what we can see is change, holding people accountable, the law enforcement, um, getting justice, I think is, you know, probably primary to me is what I see is a lot of times these cops get off on uh, low terms, like, um, what was that lady's name? Amber Geiger. She got 10 years for walking into someone's house and just killing him. Like that wasn't even her place. She came in and killed him and she got sentenced to 10 years. There's people who've gotten longer sentences with drug charges. So to me, I, I, I think the first, to me, I feel like healing to heal is to get justice, is to get, um, you know, to, to see some form of change, something happening within the, the whole system. We have to hold these people accountable. And if we're not doing that, that's, that's good. That, that's the part that hurts the most is when uh, these people who do these wrong things, these bad things, they're not being held to that standard. And so I think that in the long term is probably what I would think to get healing. In the short term, um, we just have to keep, you know, putting pressure on. Keep putting pressure on and you know, don't let up. Don't let don't don't get sidelined and don't get stopped. I guess I'll jump in. I think for me it's um change behavior you know, from law enforcement, they just have to change that behavior that, uh, that they think that it's, and I understand it's your life and you have to come home to your loved one. So it's either me or, or you, but I still believe it's still changed behavior. And once you have that changed behavior, no different from what happened or what we witnessed on Sunday night of them pulling the two college kids out of the car and tasing them and beating them up on the way to the police truck, you know, that's that attitude of this is what we do to you. Um, so having that change behavior, having conversations, holding those officers accountable. Um, the thing was they wanted all four officers charged. And although the DA did not want to do it uh, in Minneapolis, it got put in the hands of the attorney general. And the attorney general said, we're going to charge all four officers now. And now just seeing that that change behavior has happened. I also think that, you know, and I think I was listening to Snoop make this comment um, the other day when he was talking to Amanda Seals and it made so much sense. It was saying the police need not necessarily telling all police officers, but you have to live in that community to understand that community. And I think what he was saying was more along the lines of if it was a young brother that he knew or that cop knew on the streets, he might've said, let me talk to him. Hey, you guys are getting out of line. Let me talk to you before we have to take you downtown. But when you have cops that don't live in that community and they're policing that community, well, you go back home to your family. And I think for us, it's if you lived in that community, when you take that uniform off, you still have to deal with that community. So I think maybe and I know Atlanta has done a great job of allowing police officers to move into those communities and they're giving them houses or giving them housing, shall we say, um, for them to move into that community. And I think lastly, for the youth, um, 
they they need to organize. They're doing a great job of it. I think um, they have that fire and that hunger. And I think it's really us, this generation, that this panel. I think it's us that have to be their eyes and ears because we've been down that road. And it's all about. I want to get my thoughts right. It's all about making sure that they can have that fire and that passion. But us as the elders or the the ones that's been through it. Hey, you may not want to go down that road. You might want to organize and strategize this way as opposed to just coming at it with all this passion and anger and frustration. So I think those are the three things that that will help you uh, or help us make that. And uh, I guess lastly, shall I say, um, having conversations with white people. Literally, we have to have those conversations and let them know that this is what it is and this is what we experience. And hopefully they'll make that change behavior as well. James, yeah. uh, James this is Clifton. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, brother. No, cool, go uh, ahead. Okay. You know, I, if I understood your question, it's how do you make it tomorrow? To, to, to tomorrow. And I say fight. Uh, and to Brother Garrett's point about instead of complaining about our leaders or, or saying that we don't have leaders, step up. And let me tell you, uh, 2016, I had, and actually 2015, I had started volunteering for a political party only because I was so fed up with the Democrats and the Republicans. It, it started, the line started to get so blurred that to me, the Carters and the Bushes and the, and the Clintons and, and, you know, whoever it was, it was an office as far back as I can remember. There was no difference in my circumstance. I was still getting pulled over for no reason. You know, my friends were still getting pulled over for no reason. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to look for a political party that's different. I, I damn near started wa wanting to start my own. But I did some, some search and I put in some criteria. And I said, a party that cares about all beings, animals included, because I was a vegan. A party that cares about black people, cares about gay people. You know what I mean? But specifically as a black man in America, I wanted to change. And then when it came time to them nominating somebody because of my background, they said, hey, can you, well, no, can you be the CEO of this party? I said, absolutely. Instead of me complaining about it, let me do it. Now, this was me working a full-time job. This is me just having had a baby. And I said, let me set the example of people not complaining and let's go do something. So I, I volunteered for the party. And then when they said, we need a presidential candidate, I thought to myself, I can either complain about the one that's in now or fight and run for that, for that office. And, and, and that's why it really resonated to me what Brother Garrett said, because we forget that the people that make up Congress are people just like you and me. And there's 535 members of Congress and we look at it as an institution and, and Isaiah, young brother, I love the way you put it, too. You said we need to infiltrate. And when we start running, whether it's running for federal office or and, and that's been my message. So how do we make it to tomorrow? We take the seats from these people. <coughs> Is it going to be a process? Am I am I going to be able to accomplish? I don't know. Probably not. The odds are stacked against me. But already, you know what my son said to me? Twenty five. He said, Dad, 200 years from now. You will be remembered in history as the first black man that ran for president that fought for the rights of all living beings in this 
in in this country. And man, that was that was everything that I needed to hear. So how do we make it to tomorrow? We fight. Yeah, well, everybody, I love your point of view. Uh, as you can see, we're all diverse with our opinions and attitudes. Uh, we need to attack this from every perspective, uh, whichever your perspective is, whatever your, you know, whatever you think you need to do. Uh, I know in the military, when I was with Isaiah, you know, I was talking with him. I hope I was a mentor to help him set, uh, to guide him to where he needed to go. Uh, just like now I'm an instructor and I see these black, young black mechanics coming in and I pull them aside sometimes and tell them, yo, this is what's going on. This is what you need to watch out for, you know, and you'll be careful because your license is on the line. So, and other people I see in the streets, I see them with the pants pulled down and you want to say something to them, but you know, they're not listening. They don't want to hear what you got to say. You know, they don't know the history of the pants pulling being coming off your ass. So, you know, go at it, whichever angle you need to go at. We need to get them from all angles, you know, and I hope this does uh, what I'm saying is coming through so we, you can understand what I'm saying. But uh, that's what we need to do. So peace, love to all of y'all. I um, the the. Next step for me in my perspective is is um, for the majority of us, we, we, we capture the momentum that's there right now. And we capture that momentum and we move forward with it as quickly as possible. So um, on my own, um, um, I don't know, soapbox here, I'm going to encourage everyone to look up the number eight, can'twait.org as in one word. And uh, that deals directly with the use of force. So I, I often have been getting the question often here this past couple of weeks on what can I do, especially as a white person, whoever. Um, we can make sure that the scenario of what happened with George Floyd can't happen again or is less likely to happen again by actually pushing local ordinances, laws, policies, legislation that won't have that happen. And eight can't wait covers eight specific areas for use of force that wouldn't allow that to happen. So we need your city council, your board of supervisors, your mayors, all getting phone calls from you. So if you want to know something you can do, find the phone number of your mayor or your city council person or your board of supervisor and make three phone calls and say, we want you to adopt the policies, the use of force policies for eight can't wait. Why isn't our city adopting all eight of these? That that's a very simple thing that we can do to avoid the very thing that started or kicked off a large part of this. And I can't say the very thing because so many times this has happened. Um, so that that's something simple. Um, then um, when we go from there, let, let's start thinking about how we have the conversation more often. Uh, the, the funny conversation that I continue to have over this past couple of weeks is friends who call me and say, you know, I know you always trying to talk to us about this and. Um, you know, we didn't quite hear you before, but, you know, can you help me out or let's talk about this now? And and, and those are typically white friends. Right. And it's like, <laughs> like you don't want to have the conversation when it's affecting me every day. But now, you know, something's big and the world's going on. Um, and, and in other words, we need white people to deal with their fragility and we need to be able to have the conversation with white people. We need white people to come to the table and we need to have the conversation with them on their fragility. So part of that is them and reading and doing their work. And also, you know, we can help them along that path. So 
um, from a reading point of view or a viewing point of view, I'd say someone mentioned 13th. That's a great movie to watch to understand systemic racism within the prison system that created mass incarceration. Um, another movie, Just Mercy, is a great one to actually take a look at um, that's actually running for free right now. So if you go to um, Amazon or Fandango or Xfinity or Apple TV, you can actually run Just Mercy for free right now. Agreed. Read the book White Fragility. I read I read the book Just Mercy uh, a couple of years ago. It's a great it's a great book to read. It's a good movie. Yeah, and and so um, or or the book White Fragility would be a great platform for you to actually understand as white people what blacks are dealing with on a daily basis and and how you contribute to it um, without even intending to in, to contribute to it. Um, so so educate yourself. Another one would be uh, How to Be an Anti Racist by a brother named um, um, Ibram Kendi. Excellent book. Um, to actually make sure that white people are able to educate themselves and understand things. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we, we, we touched on the youth and the schools a little bit. Um, I, I encourage you um, to, if you're at school, I don't care if you're a black parent or white parent, especially if kids are in high school, encourage black student unions at schools, even where there's not a large black population. That's a safe place for black kids and it creates an atmosphere that forces teachers, administrators, and other students to get, have more of an understanding of what the black students are going through that helps all of them to be prepared for what's to come in the future. Um, man, uh, the, the Alphas have a group that they do, uh, they used to do um, once a month in, at Kasunas River College, um, senior black boys down to programs like that, uh, or Kappa League um, has a program that they do up in Roseville um, in Placer County, the, the Cap Apple Psi has a great program they do. Um, the NAACP, which I lead the political action for the NAACP, um, we have a group called AXO, which stands for Academic, Cultural, Technical, um, Science Olympics, um, that we actually send kids to do, you know, major programs across the nation. Um, so, so help kids get involved or understand those things, um, have coaches, mentors, et cetera, involved. And, and as much as anything, you know, I, I touched on it earlier, check who your elected officials are and, and encourage black people to be involved with the, that process. Encourage black people to run for something. I don't care how big or small it is and the smaller, the better. And, and let's make sure that our faces are there and that our voice is there so that, um, you know, we can actually be heard. So, um, and then basic things like what James did here, you know, brother um, jumped up and sent us a message after ignoring us for a year and sent us, <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. There you go. Don't, don't, don't start nothing. No, you know, I'm recording. Don't start nothing. Go ahead. Um, but James pulled us together here, you know, just over a week here. And um, and and we need brothers having these conversations. And so whether it be in backyards or whether it be in living rooms or whether it be after a ball game or whatever the case, let's make sure that we're having these conversations with each other and um and 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 supporting each other and holding others accountable. You know, it, it's oftentimes it's hard for white folk to have this conversation. Well, we need to bring them in also because I got and, and, I, I got a buddy of mine who's been blowing my phone up, texting me, wants to get in, uh, but he ain't too tech savvy. Uh, but uh, he's an older white gentleman, and he helped me a lot in my career in the military. He kept me stable and and not going off on some people. But uh, and before we all started with this, I talked to him to let him know about this uh, roundtable. And we had a good conversation about some things, about national anthem and some other things. His view on some things are a little different than mine, but I respect him. And he, yeah, he, yeah, he, he and, 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 and and so so I think it's important to understand though that you know the 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 we live in a world that's mandated by white supremacy, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. You you don't have a choice. That that our country is created on the terms of white supremacy, 
And, and that's not saying that white people are bad or white people are ugly or white people are, you know, are, are trying to hurt us or whatever else. But those are the rules of what we live in. And, and so it's important that white people actually get a chance to actually be in an environment where they're simply hearing us, where they're able to respect the space that we're in, to, to allow themselves to be educated, whereas they're not being heard, but they're forced to listen because they don't live the life that we do. They don't live the, the stress that we do. They will never have to have the conversation that I have to have with my black boys about interfacing with the police or walking down the street. Hold on. Let me let, let me put this back up one more time. Keep talking. And so and, and so. Um, so so it's important that that, you know, we we have this kind of space where <laughs> where where white people can come and just listen. Um, and then there's times whereas we want to hear them. But but understand, we hear white people all day, every day. We have to listen to what white people say all day, every day. And, and frankly, half the time we listen to black people, we listening to white people because we're regurgitating what, what, you know, for lack of better words, has come down to us and what we've adopted through that white supremacy. So it's important for things like this. And, and James, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you pulling this together for us to continue this. Um, and um, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm done, you know, so I'm get off my soapbox and um, I love box. all you brothers. Right on, the man, right on. <laughs> he gave you a week notice. He gave you a week notice. You I don't know what it was, you know, Okay, you know, I'm just saying I got 12 hours. I'm just, I just you, you didn't even get 12 hours, Pastor. You, I, I, I hit you up in the middle of the night because I, I yeah, couldn't right, sleep. What, I said, what's going on here? So, so I, I hit you right before you hit the pulpit this morning, right? Yeah, I was, I was ready too. Um, so, so for me, is listening to ask the young people, right, what they want to see happen. Ask them what they want done, and then support them. You got some young people who can make these decisions, but they don't feel like they had a support. We just heard the tale of the brother who wanted to run for a seat and yada, yada, yada. So if we bring them to the table and say, what do you want to see happen? We already know what we need to see happen. We already know. But if we hear from them and they know that we're supporting what they want, I think we can make a lot more things change because they say that young people are the future. No, the young people are the now. They're, they're here now. There ain't no future. They're the now. So we need to hear from them because it's their world. It's their planet that's taken over. I'm 56. It's a wrap for me in about 10 years in terms of me being out there doing stuff. You know, I ran again for office as a congressman. I told him, I said, I'm going to run for office. I'm going to serve two terms, and I'm going to go to Missouri and retire. And he looked at me and said, no, you just getting started. I'm like, no, I'm not just getting started. I want to turn this thing over to someone who is going to keep it going. So I think we hear them. We listen to them, and we, we who have the power to implement what it is that they want to do, that's what we do. I also know the legislation matters. Congress just passed, passed uh, House Resolution 988, which deals with um, uh, uh, condemning all acts of brutality from law enforcement, those types of things. Who knew about that, right? Do our young people know about that? That's something that they need to hear about, get behind it. And, and yes, uh, Eight Can't Wait is an incredible website to uh, get some information on and push it out. So I told I told James I'd be one or two minutes, and so I'm sticking to my word. And his dad is very proud. I saw that. <laughs> no, 
it's hard work trying to produce a show that's um, very emotional, raw, and, and 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 try to get on camera too. Uh, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have. And and let me let me, I guess, close by this. Um, this, this this has been on, on my heart for 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 a little bit, and it was it was a difficult day. You know, just just trying to wrap my head around what we were going to talk about, how we were going to have this discussion and wanting to make it at the end of the day uh, constructive, right? Because, again, we, we, we could have came out here and we could have played some NWA. We, we, we could have done whatever we needed to do just to, to say what we feel. But, again, that's not positive. That's not constructive. That's not going to move the needle. That's not going to, 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 to cause positive change. I think in this... It's 640. I think in this uh, hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes, we've done that. We've sparked some more conversation. We've uh, owned up to our own responsibility. The one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight folks on this screen and said, we are going to reach out amongst <clears throat> our five mile sphere of influence and say, this is right. This is wrong. This needs to change. This is how you make the change in November. Go out and hit the ballot box and help make a change. Talk to whomever you have to have those uncomfortable conversations to move forward. So for, for, for that, I, I, I guess I just want to say uh, beyond grateful for the men who have taken time out of their family, out of their day, out of their night on a Sunday to get on this on this infocast and have a conversation we're not done right we're not done we we we, we we're only we're only starting we're, we're light lighting the torch right and and i think that's good uh and, and i hope we all walk out of here with, with an action item of continuing the dialogue continuing the conversation amongst our peers and amongst our youth our conversation our our, our congregations whatever the case may be um to everyone who attended, we thank you. Everything, everyone who commented, we appreciate you. I, I know there was a couple of folks who maybe even wanted to get on camera, but uh, you know, I, I only had six folks on camera at one time, so you know. But you know, it's a good problem to have. Uh, we, we can continue this conversation on 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 volume two of of this dialogue, but um, let's not stop. It's not just about hashtags. It's not just about taking photos. It's not just about walking out there, taking um, marching. I mean, that's good, too. But do some action. Do something amongst the folks that you have a close engagement with to drive and move the needle forward. That's my call to action, everyone. I'm pointing one finger out to everyone. I got three point, uh, fingers pointing back to me. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time, for your attention your passion because uh we we uh we, we made it happen tonight and um i will talk to you guys on the flip side i appreciate you i love you god bless you everyone be safe thank you, thank you for doing this james this is very important and i appreciate you appreciate y'all thank you all right y'all stay up